Life is hectic, demanding, and doesn't stop. When honest with ourselves, we must confess we often don't know what the hell we're doing. The LARCast is an ongoing conversation about the inclusive and mischievous nature of God's presence through the lens of all the things that make up this phenomenon we refer to as life. Astonishing grace and refreshing honesty collide right here for your weekly encouragement. LARCast 17. We are continuing in our look at the parables. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, my name is Tony, my partner in crime. If we were a rap duo, I could say partner in rhyme. Ooh, I kind of like that. My partner in rhyme. Yeah, dude. Rhyme crime. The thing is, is that if, we, if we do rap, it would be rhyme crime because it just would be bad. Oh, it, it would be really bad. Yeah. So we're diving into a parable today, which we've talked about in the past. We even get into it in our book, Reclaim, which... You know, yep. if you're new to this conversation, Russ, you and I, we wrote a book called uh, Reclaim. It's available on Amazon. Uh, you can go ahead and search Reclaim Johnson or Reclaim Sourcey or Reclaim Johnson Sourcey. Um, but if you type in Reclaim, you're going to get a lot of like erotic uh, novels uh, with dudes with like, you know, uh, washboard abs. Yeah, uh, that is not the book. That's definitely not it. Yeah. Uh, that's it's easy to get confused. I know I've said that before, but just saying, if you're new to the podcast and you check out reclaim on Amazon, it's going to be easy to be like, Oh, there's Russ, you know? Mm -hmm. And then once you look closely, you're going to be like, no, that guy's hair is a little darker. Right. Like under the same, same, you know, the Zeke, but yeah. Right. Yeah. And, but then it's weird just putting you on the cover when it's like, we both authored it because then it would be a dude with washboard abs and a tan and no hair on his belly or back. And then just me looking like a Sasquatch uh, with a beer belly. You know what I'm saying? So just, well, the, just because- that part about me is only partly true. Just the, is because <laughs> I look the way I look without my shirt on, putting ourselves on the cover with yeah, our shirts off yeah. was not a possibility. We needed to explore a different route. We needed to go yeah, a different we route. We did. So we went with a cool design. So but it's, it's good, man. It's a good book. And it's a lot of cool insights on it. If you don't say so yourself, right? I'm just saying, I've, I've heard that it's freaking amazing. So if you're in like in your life, you're going, man, what is, what did Jesus really say about life? And what did he really say about the church? Because I've just got a lot of confusion from all the stuff that's been handed me in the name of God and church. What did he actually say and invite us into? That's what reclaims about. And I yep. just heard that the authors were cool and the book was dope. So I'm yep. just, Again, I'm just passing on what I heard, man. So because that is the case, we've already dealt with the parable that we're going to talk about today in Reclaim. It's going to be a little bit of a shorter podcast. We encourage you to go ahead, grab the book, check it out uh, for some further insights. We're in Luke chapter 18. Last podcast was in Luke 18. In fact, this podcast, or I said, I keep saying podcast instead of parable. I've noticed that in other uh podcasts we've done. <laughs> I'm just like, dang it. I hope no one notices that. Yeah. In the like, last, this dude is always saying the wrong words. <laughs> <laughs> in the last podcast, we dealt with the parable at the beginning of Luke 18. This podcast deals with the parable immediately after the unjust judge and the widow. And I'm just going to go ahead and read it and we can dive in. Yeah. Jesus also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves 
that they were righteous and despised others. Here's the parable. Two men went up into the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. <laughs> Man, he's not even subtle with it. Like, holy cow. No. Sheesh. He's, he's basically just saying exactly what they're thinking. <laughs> like, you got to appreciate the honesty. Yeah, for yeah. sure. He gets points for honesty. Verse 12. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all that I get. But the tax collector standing far off would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat mm -hmm. his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but he who humbles himself will be exalted. Yeah. So the Pharisee and the tax collector. It's basically Jesus's two guys walk into a bar. Yeah. Everyone's got a two guys walk into a bar. Joke, for Joke. sure. This is Jesus's. Yeah, this is a this is definitely a, a a story, man. That's addressing a very pointed crowd that is around Jesus. I mean, even I mean, the scriptures plainly say it. I mean, people who had basically had trusted in themselves, people who thought they were righteous, and in their standing of thinking, I am righteous, I am good, I am right. That's like where the word comes from, um, and therefore I'm in a position to be able to look down my nose upon other people who are not right in their thinking. They're not right in what they're saying. They're not right in what they value. They're not right in what they're doing. Um, and I'm making that known to them. Now, I know this is a very foreign concept to the modern world that we live in. No, no, one, no one's thinking this way. No one's acting this way. And no one's living on the blunt end of this obnoxious thinking and feeling in pursuit of life. Such an archaic way of living. It is. And measuring Again, yourself against others. I know this others. is like, because everybody's like, oh, man, this is one of those like 2,000-year-old stories. You know, it's not relevant, which yeah. I'm like, I know, but let's just unpack it anyways. <laughs> I mean, Jesus told it, so it's it's probably needed. There's probably a little something. Yeah. And of course, you know, in laughing at this, um, just to be clear, um, I've never I've never experienced what it's like to 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 live this way. I've never found myself feeling like I was right and good and looking down my nose on other people that, that weren't doing all the things that they should have been thinking, saying, feeling, and doing. For um, those of us who are new to the podcast, <laughs> Russ is using sarcasm and it's yeah. so thick. You can cut it with a chainsaw. Yeah. Yeah. So on a serious note, um, I probably spent most of my life and still to this day, wrestle in moments of, just being right annoyed man with like what are you thinking man what are you doing like you're the problem what you're thinking is the problem the way you're doing things is the problem why can't you be more like me <laughs> so i'm just uh, and i know i'm not alone in this so i feel like this is a parable dude that's pretty spot on with what we've all personally dealt with as far as like what we've had received from others but also what we have dished out yeah. To others in life, man. And I think the whole idea of, you know, a list, lists, yeah. we've talked about lists, resumes, it could be a spiritual yep. resume, it could be a social resume, it could be, you know, an individual resume, 
accomplishments, things you've done, things you've not done. Um, any way to measure your goodness versus someone else's badness. And yep. it's all over the place. Just look at your Instagram bio, you know, or yeah. your Twitter bio or whatever. Yep. Like there's a long list of things that you identify with that you're for. It could be emojis. It could be flags. It could be causes. It could be a myriad of accomplishments. Um, mm -hmm. Even though I'll, I'll even pick on my own kind. Like you jump in there and people are like, you know, Jesus follower or, you know, like there'll, there'll be this pithy way to be like, identify yourself as like, no, like I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm a follower of God. Here I am. Like I'm, yep. I'm on, I'm on his side. Yep. Yeah, dude. It's, it's every, every person, man. I feel like throughout all of uh, the history of humanity has been here but in jesus's case he's definitely he's definitely rubbing up against this crowd that not only thinks and feels this way but they've made a living out of standing on their self-proposed mountains of righteousness yes and looking down upon others expert list makers laminated lists yeah dude they are list makers list keepers it's it's the real deal and so i the you know like the parable that we've talked about on here the one that everybody calls a good samaritan I think we unpacked like a few episodes ago and that story, we find this parable where Jesus is, he's basically telling a story to a group of people who wanted to know specifically to a lawyer who wanted to know what he needed to do to inherit eternal life, what he needed to do to be justified, to be right, to be righteous. Okay. To be one with God. And in this parable, it seems like Jesus is addressing a crowd that thinks they have already done what's needed to inherit eternal life. Mm -hmm. So Jesus tells the story and he's like, okay, we got a Pharisee, this professional religious leader, thinker, teacher, do-gooder, right? Yeah. Whatever you want to say. Um, yeah. This is a guy who ties out of his spice rack, man. Right. I mean, this is a guy who I mean, he's got lists for lists and then those lists have lists. Mm -hmm. right and so he's in a sense man like he's he's walking in a in an uprightness man that's beyond what anybody else in and around him right have ever seen and these are the people that are looking to and they're having a real hard time with what jesus is saying about what god is like and what he's doing in the world um and so jesus tells a story right this pharisee goes into the temple man and when he goes in as you read in the story he goes in with what goes in with his list I've and he's this. so, so confident. It's, it's, it's the very yeah. focal point of his confidence. Great point. The focal point of his confidence, the basis in which he is holding himself up. Okay. You could say it's, it's the thing he's trusting in. He's banking yeah. on it. Everything is his whole life and his future is leaning square on this list. Yeah. And he, and he gives it out. He's not an extortioner, right? He's not an adulterer. He tithes faithfully. I mean, this is, I mean, here it goes. If you were, what, what's the other one that he says? He tithes. He says, faithfully. I'm not an extortioner, which, which right. is a jab at the tax collector because right. historically they worked for the occupying enemy army, right? right? In Rome, they were Jews employed by Rome to collect taxes and on top of what Rome wanted, they added whatever percentage they wanted for their living. So they were extorting their own people. It was yep. an unjust job. So he says, I'm not like these other men, extortioners, 
unjust. And then he says adulterers, which is a nod as to the kind of lifestyle that usually accompanied tax collectors. Yeah. They were known as these kind of like party animal, you know, dudes, so to speak. So right there, he's not making his case for his goodness based off the actual true righteous demands of the law. So you almost can kind of know, like, you know, that this guy knows deep down inside, I ain't there. So instead he makes his case for what he's doing, but the person that he uses to hold up against it, you know, to prop himself up is being like a, a fulfillment of these things is this tax collector. Yeah. So it's kind of funny, man, when you, when you started to play around with it like that. And then of course he lays down a couple other things that he does, which is yeah. what? Yeah. He says, I fast twice a week. Right. So he's got his, you know, spiritual discipline, spiritual formations down. And I give tithes of all that I get. All that I have. So if you were like a blackjack player, this dude's laying down 10 ace, <laughs> 21. Oh, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, God. I know I came into the temple and I just laid down the perfect 21, but really quick, I'm not done yet. Watch this. Another 10. Boom. Another ace. <laughs> you know what I mean? He's like, Blackjack again, baby. He's got the so winning hand, bro. Just the he he, he comes with it, and he, he is with he's it. betting the house. He is betting yes. the house on this hand. Yeah. He had trusted in themselves, as Jesus would say, and he I, I agree with you. Dude. He is betting. He is he is betting it all, man. Everything he's got on this. Mm -hmm. and Jesus contrasts this with a story about this dude and says, "Okay, I see that." But also this other dude walks in that we've already alluded to called the tax collector. And as you already said, this is a guy who's um, a fellow countryman who has completely abandoned everyone and went to work for the oppressor. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a number of, there's a number of touch points on why the tax collector would be um, the poster child for like, you know, the one who is definitely not getting in, the one who's definitely has the yeah. cr crappiest list. Like yep. he picks these two characters on purpose because they can't be more diametrically opposed. They are very extreme versions of reasons to trust in my own merit and reasons to not have any confidence at all that God loves you. Yeah. Yeah, this is, uh, as you've already said, man, this is a dude who's definitely not getting in. Definitely not. No, no questions asked. Everybody in that camp of Jesus, right, would have, to me, would have been, like, gasped, right? They would have been like, whoa, 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 what? Their breath yeah. would have literally been taken away by him throwing a tax collector into the story that he's telling in comparison with this Pharisee. Spiritually, they've ruined their lives. Um, as compared to the law, they have nothing to point to um, yeah. that would be in their favor. And socially, they're just, they're outcasts. They're done. They betrayed their own, they betrayed their own people. Yeah. And here's a, to me, a really cool point in this story, just to hit on. When we say outcasts, some, a lot of times in society, there's a, there's a, there's a big push, man, and a heart for the outcast, right? Caring for, caring for the weak, the oppressed, the outcast. And I get that. I mean, I won't go into the whole story, but my childhood and how I grew up, for whatever reason, man, at a very young age, 
I uh, I developed this like just a, a, a real detest for a bully, man. And so I got a lot of trouble as a kid growing up all through like, you know, kicked out of elementary school, kicked out of middle school, kicked out of high school, you know what I mean? Just on down the list, getting in trouble. But it was always in relation, always in relation to just me just saying enough, dude, and smacking whatever bully was in the room who was picking on this kid, right? That was an outcast. I just, I hated it, man. And, uh, and so later on, man, becoming a believer in Jesus and plugging into the, you know, to the church world and getting involved in ministry, a lot of the ministry that I just naturally felt inclined to, and I had a heart for, man, was for the outcast, man, for the hurting, for the oppressed, for the down and out. Um, and was able to step into that in a very, you know, variety of places over the years. But the thing about this story that hit me after reading it and studying it and teaching on it one way for like 15 years, 13 years, I should say. And then another way for the last seven or eight is even just recently realizing, oh my, oh my gosh, this tax collector is an outcast, not because of a hatred of society for him because of something he has no control over. He's not an outcast because he's poor. He's not an outcast because of the color of his skin. He's not an outcast right? Because he has some, you know, some view on something, right? And he's like just wrongly being shoved to the side. This dude's an outcast by his own doing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. He is religiously and socially shut out because of his giving God and everyone else the finger mm -hmm. and pursuing a whole different way that has been nothing but a hurt to everyone else. Yeah, and the whole like, you know, national pride, heritage pride, pride in yeah. lineage, all that, um, and to be a Jew, but to take a profession that is directly, you know, extorting um, your 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 neighbors in unjust yep. ways. Um, man, you were hated. I was just reminded of this recently. There's a bill on the Senate floor that is trying to get uh, interpreters in Afghanistan is trying to um, expedite them to the States and give them a citizenship because for the last, however many years they've helped the U S government just, just in language barriers. And they've yeah. helped, they've helped right. The occupying enemy army over in a foreign country, right. They've helped them with the language, um, with language and to, you know, do all that they're doing over there. And I'm not going to begin here to sit here and act like, you know, what we're doing over there is completely just, or it's unjust or, or whatever. I'm sure it's probably a mix. Um, and so this bill on the Senate floor is trying to get them to the state because of real threats against their lives. And it's like, it's yeah. not even like, Oh, there's a, there's a threat. It's like, no, they're going to get killed. Their yeah. families are going to die. And yeah. so when you look at it that way, it's like, no, this is a very real hatred. This is a very yeah. real crime. This man is, is, is engaged in socially. Yeah. It's, it's, it's sad to see, man. But again, like in this case, like it's of his own doing, Jesus says, this guy walks into the temple, like the Pharisee, except when he walks in, he just hangs his head and he only has one thing to say. God have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. I, I don't, I don't have anything to give. I, I can't play blackjack. I don't even like, I don't even have a two to lay down, man. Much less a 10 and an ace. 
I, uh, I'm empty-handed, and you're my only hope. And Jesus is that guy, that guy, not the other guy, that guy goes home justified. When you hear us talk about the idea of death or the admittance of death, this yeah. is a beautiful picture of what we mean by this. Cause I know, I know it can be yeah. a bit abstract, right? Because we think death like, Oh, okay. Like I'm like literally like, like dying. Yeah, not breathing anymore. Yeah. Right. It's, this is what we mean. There's no presence of a list. There's nothing he's banking on. He literally has come to the place where he's realized he has nothing in his hands. He's come to yeah. the, we, we say it like this all the time. He's come to the end of his virtuous rope. He's come to realize he has nothing to bring, nothing to offer, nothing to bring to the table. Literally, spiritually speaking, you have nothing, no resources. It yeah. is the admittance of what Paul says in Ephesians 2, 1, that we are dead in trespasses and sins. Yeah. We have nothing. And it's the admittance of that. Yeah. Because yeah, with the admittance of this, I don't bring the righteous demand of the law. And I'm not even going to pretend to. Right. Also comes with that is an act of faith. He's in the temple. He's saying to God with faith. Mm -hmm. Right. So by faith, he's trusting you're my only hope. Mm -hmm. Have mercy on me. Which is something that Jesus has been pointing to the entire time. The only judgment in any of the parables that we read, the only judgment that's there and that we will even see as we keep going falls on one thing, unbelief, an unwillingness to take him at his word an unwillingness to trust his life for our life, which is the very thing that got us all out of whack that goes all the way back to the garden. All the garden is, is mankind making a leap from trusting in the reality of a God who's very present and loving to believing in the myth of independence and turning our back on him and saying, no, thanks. I'll do my own. Right. And so it just, it seems very fitting that the way back into that relationship would be a work of him in which we would simply by faith, trust, accept. Right. And I think too, like switch your mind a little bit on what judgment is. Yeah. It's a declaration. It's a verdict. And this is the second parable back to back where the judgment and the verdict has come in the positive. The widow yeah. in the last parable was declared. She was vindicated. She yeah. was justified. She said, justify me. And then the judge says, I will justify her. Right. So it was yep. a verdict in the positive of justification here. We have in this parable, same thing. God be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus says, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. So the yep. verdict has come in. The judgment has come in the verdict and the judgment is justification, no condemnation. Yep. You're in, you're forgiven, you're loved, you're included. Yep. All by my doing, but we I'm think judgment, we yeah. think judgment has to do with hellfire and brimstone and you know, all that. It's like, no, it, it, it's, it, it's included in the declaration, the announcement of no condemnation too, the announcement right. of, of you're justified. Yeah. That can be a judgment. Yeah. <laughs> but so is this. <laughs> right. Right. And so Jesus tells this story and we, I think we look at that and, you know, just to pull all this together, I think most of us hear that and we're like, man, amen. I've been there, right? I've done this. Look how kind and gracious God is. And we just sort of like, okay, okay, man, this, this is good. 
But then our lives oftentimes rarely will reflect that this reality and how we'll, you know, then sort of go about how we continue to see God and see others and see ourselves and how we sort of, you know, interact within, you know, the matrix of those relationships. And for me, like a big kicker of really grabbing onto what Jesus is saying here came about through the reading of one of Capon's books uh, back in 2013. I was very much in agreement with all that Jesus is saying, not that he needs me to be, but I was agreeing with him in the story and rejoicing in what he's saying in this parable that we're talking about. But at the same time, I would go about ministry as a pastor, preaching and teaching this to people, but then coming along afterwards with a but. But as long as you start to live your life worthy of the things that he is, but as long as you start to tithe faithfully and, <laughs> and fast and not be an extortioner and not be an adulterer. And I started seeing like, what, you know, what is it in me that wants to sort of undo this story? And, and Capon was a big help man with those few questions that we even unpack a little bit and reclaim, uh, what is it? Chapter three is uh, like the first thing that he asked is he goes, okay, maybe you're grabbing on to this, maybe you're not. So let's just play a little game here and let's play along in what's true to the story. Let's stretch the follow, parable out a little bit. Let's, yeah, let's stretch it out a little. Follow the, follow the tax collector home. What do you want to see him do this week? So I'm like literally in Chicago. It's, I don't know, January, dude. Negative 2014, maybe. 500 yeah, degrees. Freezing. Um, I'm sure the windows in your apartment were just like really awesome. Ice. Oh yeah. No, it was the there polar was no air leaking through. Yeah. So I'm learning all about cold weather as a Florida kid, you know, living up there and I'm reading this and I'm, you know, pastoring this church and working through a number of things. And I've come across this question and I'm like, okay, I got this one. I want to see him quit his job. I want to see him get plugged into the right community. I want to see him give back the money that he stole. Mm -hmm. I want to see yeah. Yeah. Like I want to, I want to see a list of these things. Cabin's like, great, great. What if I told you that when he comes back to the temple the next week, he didn't do any of those things. He literally walks in no different than he was before. Nothing's changed and just says, God, forgive me for I am a sinner. Have mercy on me. Maybe cool I'll allow it the follow-up week, maybe week two, maybe, maybe, maybe. So he's like, are you, are you cool with God sending him home, declaring the same, the same verdict justified? I'm like, mm, no, <laughs> but like you, but it's, it's week one. It's week one. He goes, he goes, all right, let's, 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 let's just keep going. Follow him home the next week. What do you want to see him do different? So I make like the same list. He goes, okay, great. This week, the next week, when he comes back, he comes back to the temple and he actually has some reform under his belt. Yes. He's given so back some of the money. He hasn't quit his job yet, but he is put, he put out some feelers. He's got, he's some, got some applications out. out. He's got some applications. He's got some resumes Looking for some new employment. <laughs> he's he, he made got, a LinkedIn profile. Yeah. He's got some, some things are happening here. Okay. Tax collector's yeah. not on his LinkedIn profile. There's he's, a few years missing in his LinkedIn profile. Yeah. And what he's even, he's even got a little bit of a plan in place, you know, like he, uh, He's been giving back some of the money, but he's, and he's been apologizing to some people that he's stolen from. Don't forget. He canceled the party that was going to be scheduled at his house. Yes. The yep. two weeks after 
he went in and admitted his death. There was yeah, a party scheduled uh, at his house. He, he canceled it. Yeah, I think they, I think, they, what, what do they call that party? It's like Wild Ruckus. I think this was like Wild Ruckus 7. It's kind of yeah. like a WWE, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sort of match that goes on. Yep. And then there's an after party, dude, that like we can't even get into on the podcast yet can't as far as like it. what's happening. But um, he you know, all the things it. that were fitting to a tax collector's culture, he canceled that one. He goes, awesome. We're like, Sweet. what do you want to see God talk to him now? What do you want to see God talk to him about now? Like, to what extent do you want him to like press in? And I'm like, well, I want him to talk to him about like, hey, good job on some of these things. Mm-hmm. But let's put together a little bit of a little bit of a plan and let's get you lined up with an accountability partner, possibly plugged into the right small group that would be needed here. Let's keep this holiness rolling. Yeah, let's 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 rejoice in these things, but let's definitely be intentional with the pursuit of change and these other things. Right. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I could I could get with that. I could get with that. And then, dude, he literally writes this. Next paragraph in the book. What the hell is it about you that is so hell bent on destroying the story that Jesus told? And I was like, and you're like, what? what? <laughs> he goes, Jesus would have no part of any resume. Jesus would have nothing to do with any list at all, according to how the Pharisee came in with. Why is it that you want the tax collector to come back to the temple with the Pharisee speech in his pocket, ready to go, ready to roll when God's already said, I will have no part of your list. And dude, I was like, utterly in shock, man. Yeah. I got, I had 13 years under my belt of preaching and teaching this passage and going, how the hell did I miss this? Yeah. Well, your story is not different than mine. My story is the same as yours, except you heard it from a book and I heard it from you. Right. Yeah. And I, as a pastor of 10 years at the time, everything that I put into the, the category of discipleship and pastoral encouragement, helping people along and Growing in holiness and all that kind of stuff was all designed around helping people fashion and create lists and to help them progress on a scale of their lists. Yep. Upward and to the right. Up and to the right, dude. We called it sanctification. Mm, Yep. And the whole plan and the whole premise and the whole product of it. And I was centered in our unbelief of what Jesus declared. Because I had in my mind, I was okay. I could rejoice like you with this moment, right? Week zero, week zero in the temple. The moment when he gets it, finally gets it, right? That it's mercy, that it's grace. Cool. Love that. But there was this expectation because we have to separate sanctification from salvation. I loved grace on the front end, loved to preach it on the front end. But later on, there was a different, there was a, there was a different deal. There was a, there was a different premise of the relationship going on. And I think, uh, Capen said it best when he said, Romans five, eight says, while we are still sinners, Christ died, uh, for us. 
uh, given that after a reasonable amount of time, <laughs> we become the kind of people known whatever have to die for in the first place or in else the, the whole place. deal's off. And that's literally, we, that's we, how we started after week zero, we help people to get onto a program, a sanctification program to becoming the kind of people no one would ever have to die for in the first place. Yeah. And my whole yeah. freaking head exploded, dude. It blew. My brains were on the, the wall. Yeah. Yeah. It was, uh, it, it, it's such an eye opener, man. Like, and you, you kind of laugh about it because you read the story and you kind of laugh and poke fun at these Pharisees and don't even realize that a, you can quickly become one and B, you can also quickly teach other people to become them. You'll use this story to teach about the beauty of God's grace and how he's met us where we are and united himself literally to us as one, us and him. Deal, done, signed, sealed, already whole, already home, already free, already one. Will you trust me now so we can just move forward? Will you drop the whole myth and of, of, of independence? Will you die to this endless project of self? Will you quit being a slave to this ideal you and this ideal society so you can actually begin to realize the life that I've given you that's right under your nose, that's in me? And instead of just grabbing onto that, man, like we'll use that story to help people see his grace and then put them on a plan, like you said, to become the Pharisee who can come to the temple every week with a report card. Yep. And all the while, God's like, and I feel like just to be clear, Jesus isn't saying walking in what's good is not, you know, it shouldn't be, isn't worthy. He's not saying there's not going to be harmony in walking in things that are beautiful. And he's not even saying that, you know, giving back what we've stolen or, you know what I mean? Loving on somebody that's next to us or apologizing for how we've wronged somebody or totally. quitting a job that we're, in which case we're extorting people. Isn't a good thing. Of course it is. But that, all of that, all of that is, I feel like he's saying it's for your harmony mm. with each other. Yep. That's not something that I need or get a kick out of, or somehow I'm desperate for like your good works. So why are you turning an understanding of what could be harmonious and finding the beauty of when walking in it, why are you turning that into the means of obtaining or maintaining a relationship with me? Right. I yep. think that's what he's showing us. He's putting we his finger flipped upwards. Yeah. He's putting his finger on the very subtle, but very, very real temptation. Every single one of us have yeah. that when we come to discover the finished work of Jesus, there is this beautiful moment when we first discover that and whatever our trust was leaning on prior to that, we place it wholly on him, solely on him, exclusively yep. on him. And then there's this very subtle temptation, right? As some really cool things like start to happen in our life, like some fruit that the father bears as he promised John 15, or he, you know, produces in us, we bear it. Um, we begin just the subtle, the subtle drift of slowly moving that, that, that confidence, right? Mm -hmm. The weight of our confidence, the weight of our knowing we're included, knowing we're good back onto the list. And dude, yeah. it is, it is subtle, um, but it is, a, it's, it's strong and it is inevitable. It's yeah. inevitable. Yeah. Yeah. Like even in our, in the last parable that we addressed with the unjust judge, you know, that story ends with Jesus saying, so when God comes back, will he find, will he find the world, you know, full of faith? It's like this rhetorical question that Jesus asked, like the answer is no, mm -mm. 
No, um, a God who comes and, you know, who lowers himself to humanity and then gives his life in our place. It seems like it's, it's, that's just as unacceptable to all of us want to be winners as an unjust judge who steps out on a whim to declare a verdict uh, just because he wants to be done with it and get everybody back to the party. That judge gets brought before an ethics board, right? Like we, we, they, they, we can't grasp that, but I feel like we, at the same time, we can't grasp this, like this parable where he's declaring God is maker, creator, and sustainer of all things. He is your very life and he's not interested in your report card. Life doesn't come with a scorecard either. Mm-hmm. There's no, there's no scoreboard. There's no achieving. There's no, there's no gap to bridge. The death and resurrection of Jesus has already done that. Yep. What God is interested in is not your toil. He's interested in your trust. Mm. He I wants like you. There's he the tweet. You. Yeah, he wants you, man. So for everyone out there who's listening to this, maybe this is the first time you've heard it this way. Maybe your brains are on the wall <laughs> like <laughs> mine were back in 2014 when I heard you, you know, talk about this. If you have framed Christian maturity, um, pretty much just in environments where you're asking people to just participate in radical introspection, to grade your own spiritual papers, to constantly look at your list, to curate your list, to examine your list, to improve your list, to add to your list, to add plans and subpoints to your list on how to get better at that. Dude, you've moved away from it, man. You've moved away from it and let us just lovingly, but boldly tell you that that is not it. That is not it. Grace is not a starting point. Grace is not the thing that just happens in week zero. And then we move on to upward trajectories of sanctification. Sanctification is not separated from justification. We are saved by grace. We are changed by grace. We are sustained by grace. It is a work of him. And Paul, in I think it's like first or second Timothy 2.13, he sums up the entire Christian life. And he says, if we are faithless, he is faithful for he cannot deny himself. Meaning yeah. that the Christian life is based solely on a commitment he has made to us. It is not a two-way street. It is not an agreement between two parties. It is a thing that one party did on behalf of another party while we were dead asleep and dead in our sins. It is an agreement that he made in himself based on his name, based on the finished work of his son. And he is inviting us into believing and trusting and resting that he is faithful and the work is finished. Yeah, that's it, man. Philippians 1, 6, he's not kidding around. He who began a work in you will complete it. He who began it will complete it. He's the author and the perfecter of our yeah. faith. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, yeah. He's not an outline writer, an editor, and a publisher. <laughs> he is the author <laughs> and the finisher of our faith. And I just, I'm looking at this and going, yeah, there's a lot of good and beautiful things to go walk in. And he's going to do in, in and through us. Amen. Um, According to his timetables. Yeah, just don't turn that journey into like this is somehow Christianity or the Christian life or some means of obtaining or maintaining relationship oneness with a God who's already united himself to us 
through the death and resurrection of the son that is the gospel man that's the beauty of this and to that i say cheers cheers Cheers.